Well, good afternoon. Um, I'm staying in the home of some very sweet people down in Oviedo, Florida this afternoon. And so I'm going to um, make our Sunday School video from here and we'll see then if we can figure out how to get it uploaded um, so that it'll be available on Sunday morning. Clint and I are attending a um, missions conference at Cross Life Church in Oviedo, Florida. And so thank you for watching with me and let's um, let's look at our lesson for this time around. We're, we're doing Ecclesiastes um, starting in chapter 4 um, and we, we begin our lesson in verse 13. At the beginning of chapter 4, uh, before the, the words of our lesson, Solomon is talking about the evils of oppression. And he starts talking about people who um, oppress the poor and um, how the poor have no one to comfort them or the oppressed have no one to comfort them. And he, he has observed, I guess, the actions and the attitudes of men in this section. You know, he's observing everything as we go along. And so in this section, he's, he's observed how men uh, treat each other or people treat each other. I'm saying men in a general sense. But, um, and so, he, you know, he... He says all of this is, you know, vanity and a grievous task, as he has said in other chapters. And then we get down to um, verse 13. So we're at chapter 4, verse 13 here, where he said, I'm going to read 13 to 16. A poor wise lad is better than an old foolish king who no longer knows how to receive instruction. For he has come out of prison to become king, even though he was born poor in his kingdom. I have seen all the living under the sun throng to the side of the second lad who replaces him. There is no end to all the people, to all who were before them, and even the ones who will come later will not be happy for, for with him. For this too is vanity and striving after wind. And so it's kind of archaic the way that it is stated there where he says he and you, you're not quite sure which he is he talking about and and who, who will be happy with him, who's the him, you know. So it's a little bit archaic in the way that it's stated, but basically I think the meaning of it is that this, it's better, he says it's better to be a poor but wise youth than an old foolish king. And he's talking about the idea of having, you know, all the things that a king has, uh, power and influence and riches and all of those things, and yet being foolish and making foolish decisions, as opposed to a young man who is, um, has nothing but is wise. And that, that's the contrast there. And truly, um, people would flock 
to the side of the young and wise man if they, you know, contrasted the two together. And so, but then he, at the end of that, um, he says, this is, this also is vanity and striving after wind. Because in truth, um, having, you know, b being young and wise is not the end all be all, is it? You know, God is still superior to being young and wise or old and foolish. You know, God is superior to all of those things. And so then um, we go on to the next little section, which is um, verse 1 of chapter 5. So he's going right along to chapter 5. I'll read that verse. Guard your steps as you go to the house of God and draw near to listen rather than to offer the sacrifice of fools, for they do not know they are doing evil. And um, if we could probably take that verse to heart and take it seriously as Christians, if all of us could do that, it would make a difference in the way that we approach God, you know, and the reverence that we have for God because it says, you know, guard your steps as you go to the house of God. Don't just fly in to the house of God uh, any old way, you know. Guard your steps or carefully watch your steps and go in there with a sense of trepidation or reverence or um, whatever, you know, you can read into that different things. And then it says, draw near to listen rather than to offer the sacrifice of fools. And that's the, you know, that's so important um, that we draw near to God to listen to what God wants to say to us to guide our lives rather than offer the sacrifice of fools and the sacrifice of fools would be much talking and no listening, I think. You know, if we if we come before God, even in prayer, you know, at home, and we, we just talk, 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 done, finished, amen, and we never listen to God, we never listen to what He wants to uh, tell us or how He wants to guide our lives, then we're really offering... Uh, the sacrifice of fools in that way. It makes me so uncomfortable to say the word fools because when I was growing up, I mean, you just didn't say that word. You know, that was not... <laughs> so I'm, ha I'm struggling with that. You can figure that out. Um, and then it says, the sac uh, not to offer the sacrifice of fools, for they do not know that they are doing evil. In other words, they they're just, you know, thoughtlessly doing the thing that they do. And so our, our approaching God and our worship of God needs to be thoughtful in the way that we do it and not thoughtless, not routine, not automatic, not something that we haven't really even considered. Um, and that's a lesson for all of us, I think. And then um, we'll, it goes on in verses 2 and 3. Do not be hasty in word or impulsive in thought to bring up a matter in the presence of God. For God is in heaven and you are on the earth. Therefore, let your words be few. 
for the dream comes through much effort and the voice of a fool through many words so you know this is straightforward don't don't hastily ask God for things you know think it through and consider and and be listening to God before you go and and ask him for something because to be honest if he gave us some of the things we ask for we would not be happy it would not be within his will and we would be miserable we would make ourselves miserable if we got everything that we asked for from God and so I think this is what Solomon you know is trying to say don't be hasty or impulsive in asking something from God but think it through just like you think about the way that you approach God and the way you enter his house and all of those things think it through on the way that you ask God for something or you bring up a matter to him because why um, Solomon says for which you know you can interpret that as because God is in heaven and you are on the earth okay that's the reason so in other words God is in control he knows how he wants things to be and we are on the earth we are small um, and not unimportant to God but yet at the same time there are billions of people on the earth and our desires you know fit in to a much larger picture that God has in mind and so we have to um, keep that in mind when we begin to ask things of God and it particularly you know you see um, on the TV or we saw it quite a lot overseas the influence of this movement of uh, sort of name it and claim it or demanding almost demanding things from God you know we would hear prayers at times um, and it was the influence of America you know in some of those preachers that had come uh, overseas and preached uh, that influenced or things they saw on TV but where people would just it, it's like if you demand it loudly and strongly enough God has to do what you're saying I mean that it kind of comes across that way that is not at all biblical and it's dangerous you know if God decided okay you know what I'm gonna just give this person whatever they ask for I mean it wouldn't take very long before most of us would have ourselves in a real problem and so you know we we must be really careful about the way that we approach God on things um, and then at the end of this these two verses that we just read it says um, the dream comes through much effort or let me see what the other meaning of that is much task and the voice of a fool through many words so you know you might have a couple of different interpretations for it, the meaning of that right there because you know if sometimes if you work or you're overworked then you may dream crazy dreams I mean you know that's also if you eat lasagna <laughs> or something at night you know I don't know but um 
then you know it says the voice of a fool comes through many words so it's it's another admonishment of just too many words and not thinking through you know what you're saying okay let's go to the next section now um so this is verses four to seven when you make a vow to god do not be late in paying it for he takes no delight in fools pay what you vow it is better that you should not vow than that you should vow and not pay do not let your speech cause you to sin and do not say in the presence of the messenger of god that it was a mistake why should god be angry on account of your voice and destroy the works of your hands for in many dreams and in many words there is emptiness rather fear god and so he's making a reference there again to the dreams you know people overseas put a lot more stock in dreams than we do we might dream something outlandish and we just kind of pass it off but to them if they dream something it they they take a deep meaning in that and they they try to figure out what that meant you know and so um he say you know he's saying here that if you make a vow to god let's say for example um a person we're, we're trying to put it in, in a biblical perspective let's say a person plants a crop and he vows to god you know god i'm going to give you 10 percent of this crop uh if you'll just uh, bless it and help me to have an abundant harvest and then you know later when he gets the abundant harvest he come he th starts to think hmm you know this is so much maybe i'll just keep and i'll just give five percent you know to god or whatever and so that would be an example that i can you know think of in a biblical perspective and that could also apply to our lives today as we uh you know go into an endeavor and we pray that it will be successful and that we will you know bless god we'll use the profits for the poor or whatever we say that we're going to do and then begin to back up and say oh but you know um i've changed my mind it was a mistake as he says it here and so you know he's warning against doing something like that he says don't let your speech cause you to sin don't make promises that you can't keep or that you're not going to keep if you make a promise to god then um you need to be sure that you go ahead and keep that promise and um and then it says why should god be angry on account of your voice and destroy the work of your hands and that's what made me think of the crops you know any crop that you would harvest it is because god allowed it to grow the whole thing belongs to god i mean you didn't make it grow you know god made it grow and so to to just you know be wishy-washy on your promise to god i mean who who's to say he he can't just destroy the whole thing if he decides to so um it says for in many in, in verse 7 for in many dreams and many words there's emptiness rather fear god and so you know we've talked before about fearing god and not meaning that 
we are afraid that God's going to zap us at any moment. It's not like that. But we have a very healthy respect for what God could do if he decided to. And we fear God in the sense that we reverence him. We want to do all that we think that he wants us to do. And so, you know, that comes in uh, to that part. And I think our lesson actually ends there. But, you know, if you go on down through the rest of that chapter, um, it begins to talk about the folly of riches. And they're not going to cover this in the next uh, lesson. And so I thought I might touch it just for a moment. Um because it says, he who loves money will not be satisfied with money, uh, nor he who loves abundance with its income. This too is vanity. And always we need to be reminded of that, and Solomon probably will remind us again in other places, but, but definitely, you know, if our, if our love, I was reminded of that this week, you know, as... I saw something that someone had posted. If our love is for money, then that love is taken away from our love for God. You know, our love should be for God, and then God will add the money as he sees fit for us to use it. But our our focus and our love, our uh, the glory that we give should be all to God. We shouldn't say, oh, Here's the glory of my riches, and here's my glory that I give to God. We, we should not do that. The glory that we give should all be for God, and then he's going to add those things that we need. And it's a perspective that we don't think about very often, but I was reminded actually by my our youngest son, James. He had written a blog post, you know, about you can't serve God and uh, riches, you know, that, that scripture. And it, it made me think about it. So read on, you know, through chapter five. And if you choose to do so, keep going to through chapter six. And then next week, uh, we're going to begin in chapter seven, where it has a, a contrast. It talks about balancing everything out between wisdom and folly. And so, um, I hope we can get this to post up and that you'll be able to watch it Sunday morning. We'll return back um, late on Sunday or early on, or sometime on Monday. We're not quite sure yet, but um, appreciate your prayers, you know, for us as we represent um, God in this way as missionaries um, at this conference. So thank you for being with me and I look forward to seeing you soon.